You are about to listen to the Friends of Anchor podcast, which keeps you up to date with the inspirational work of the Friends of Anchor charity and everything that it's doing to support cancer and haematology care in the northeast of Scotland. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Friends of Anchor podcast. In this episode, we will be hearing from colorectal clinical nurse specialist Angie Shepherd, as well as finding out how inspiration for tough times can be drawn from the Maori expression, kia kaha. We will also be looking into the question of whether or not a cancer-themed April Fool can ever work. Let's begin, though, by hearing from Erica Banks, who starts off by telling us a bit about what's been going on recently with Friends Vanka. We have been very busy and having lots of fun so far with Courage on the Catwalk and Brave. We've met our models once at the Beach Ballroom where they're going to be strutting their stuff in May, and we've taken them out for supper, and so far that's all we've had. We haven't had any rehearsals yet, so the first one is next week, as I'm speaking just now. And that'll be when we see the personalities really start to come out on the dance floor and the moves. And the fun really begins now until May. Brilliant. Do you already have people identified who will be sharing their stories or does that come out through the process? We get to know the models a little bit first. We're really fortunate to have various different media platforms that support the event. The Press and Journal, as you probably very well know, Mike. Absolutely. And Original 106. And we also do some video interviews. Models feature in their local papers. They each have a biography in the event programme as well. So there are various different things that go on alongside all of the rehearsals and things too. And one of the big things for us just now is gathering prizes because first and foremost, it is the catwalk event. It's about the 24 men and the 24 women. But as you know, it's a very significant fundraiser for Friends of Anchor as well. So we have what we call our tree of indulgence, which is our take on kind of like a luxury raffle. So if any listeners would like to donate a prize, we would be very appreciative. It's um, kind of pampery type okay. stuff over the value of £10. So like gift sets, bath and bubble sets, vouchers for lunch, lovely stuff that you would really like to win. So that is all kind of going on just now. Brilliant. Well, there you heard it. Listeners, get your thinking caps on and see what you can send in. <laughs> yes, and please. Erica will be delighted to receive it. <laughs> and we, we've got quite a lot of upcoming events. It's really nice to have a totally chock-a-block calendar again. So five of us from the Friends of Anchor team are taking on the kilt walk, as you know, because I am shirking my training How is your training going, Erica? It's not started. <laughs> there is time. It's on June 4th. Loads of time. Uh, yeah, plenty of time. So we've actually had a fundraiser get in touch recently to say they really wanted to do the kilt walk, but they actually didn't have keen walkers in their friendship group. So they are joining the Friends of Anchor team, which is really nice. Superb. So it's totally a case of the more the merrier. There are 35 walkers taking part for Friends of Anchor, but five of us from the team are taking part in addition. And we'd love to see that number get up to 10 or 15. So if, like me, you don't have a lot of keen walkers in your friendship group, then just come and join the FOA squad. Brilliant. Another offer for people to take up. That's terrific. What else? Well, I thought today I'd share a little bit about some of the recent funding that we've been able to provide. So we had a committee meeting. I'm a bit late in sharing this news with you because it's from the January committee meeting. But we've recently funded £25,000 into equipment. So basically, equipment and tech is one of the four core pillars that we fund. And we've just provided £25,000 of funding for a software upgrade I know that sounds like a lot for 
like a CD-ROM update to machinery. But this new software is like cutting edge state of the art and basically it allows this existing machine to operate as an alternative to an MRI for breast patients. So anybody presenting with breast cancer symptoms could be seen using this new machine. It takes the pressure off of the existing MRI service. It's also a little bit more flexible. For example, if you were a patient who had claustrophobia or maybe mobility issues for an MRI, so it's a little bit more adaptable, a little bit more flexible and a really wonderful thing to have in Aberdeen and we've only been able to do that thanks to the donors so a big thank you to everyone who makes these types of donations possible it really does make a difference there will be more from Erica next month but just now we are going to hear from Angie Shepherd who is inspirationally passionate about her role as a clinical nurse specializing in bowel cancer I began our conversation by asking her to tell us a bit about herself and the steps that led her to being in her current post I'm Angie. I'm one of the colorectal specialist nurses at the hospital. I'm a mum and a grandma and I've just recently had my daughter's wedding which was absolutely beautiful at Norwood Hall. I started off working in Aberdeen Royal Infirmary as an auxiliary nurse actually a long long time ago. I then left there for about a year and returned to work in the haematology outpatients as a band two um, healthcare support worker. I was there for a couple of years after my youngest daughter had went to school etc and decided that I wanted to go and do my nurse training. So I left haematology clinic in 2006 after being there for two years and said to them I will be back as a nurse. And you were? I was. I went back in 2012, having worked in a couple of different areas, worked in neurosurgery and a neuro rehab centre for a couple of years. And then the post came up in Ward 16, which would be now 112. So I worked in the ward for a short time before a position came up in the haematology day unit, which is where my passion was and where I always wanted to be. So I started working in haematology clinic, went on to do my chemo course and continued working there until 2016, which I absolutely loved. Cancer care is my passion and it's where I always wanted to be. I continued there until, as I say, May 2016, and then I moved to oncology research. As a student, research was not for me, (laughs) but as a nurse, I actually got into it really quick, and I really, really enjoyed working in oncology research, and I was there for almost five years. During this time, COVID was on the go, so we were all redeployed to work in our wards. So at this point, I worked in Ward 114, the oncology ward, for three months just to help them out during COVID, which I absolutely loved. And I guess I did miss working in the ward, but I was still passionate about oncology research. So after the three months, went back to oncology research. During that time, there was a post came up for colorectal CNS and this was my dream job. I'd always wanted to be a CNS in the anchor unit and because my research job was colorectal as well, I just thought I couldn't let it go by. I had to apply for it. I did and I was successful. And for benefit of listeners, people would normally understand colorectal as... Bowel cancer. 
as I say, I'm currently in my dream job as a CNS and I've been in there now for over two years specialising in colorectal and supporting my patients and their families. So we're signposting them and advising them towards personalised care. We're there from day one of the patient's journey. We work very closely with the surgical specialist nurses who are also involved in the multidisciplinary meetings. We work closely with the nursing team and the consultants. And we're just like the in-betweener, in between the nursing team and the consultants. And I'm there for the patient and the family to signpost them to anything, whether it's a wig referral through Friends of Anchor, or if it's to speak to a family member because they just can't discuss things with their family member. They just can't go over what we've talked about in clinic. Our patients also receive a small summary of what's been discussed at their consultation and nearly every single one of them, the feedback comes back that this is just so helpful because instead of them having to explain it to their family, they can just give them a copy of the treatment summary and they don't feel like they have to go over everything again. So yeah, I am very privileged to be part of that patient's journey. And you'll obviously have seen some advances in treatment over the time that you've been working in those different but related areas. Is there anything in particular you'd like to highlight? One advancement in particular that is coming more common now is immunotherapy, which is available for our patients who have particular biomarkers, which are looked at as soon as they're diagnosed and discussed in the multidisciplinary meeting and the immunotherapy works by targeting specific features that we can see in the patient's tumours. And it's probably less invasive, is that right? Yes, chemotherapy can be quite invasive and comes with a lot of toxicities. But with immunotherapy, it does have its own toxicities, but most patients I've seen Mm. can get through immunotherapy better than they can through chemotherapy but it is only a specific group that is eligible for the immunotherapy depending on what their biomarkers on their tumour says when we look at it under the microscope but they can be on immunotherapy for up to two years and we do see good results from this. And you've obviously had links as well with Friends of Anchor over the time you've been in those roles. How has the support from Friends of Anchor progressed over the years as well? So when I worked in haematology outpatients as a nurse, I was aware of Friends of Anchor and it would have been Jimmy, the main man of Balmoral and also the main man of Friends of Anchor that we would have had talks with then. And I can see how it's growing over the years. I mean, they've went from maybe one or two members of the wellbeing team to this huge team that they have that do the massages, the making memories, which has a huge positive impact on the patients and their families. If they like wish to maybe go on a trip for the family or a concert or a spa day maybe for the ladies, just anything like that. We can just bring that forward to the Friends of Anchor team and the girls will speak to the patients and they just manage all of that for them. absolutely love hearing the memories that it's created for them. I've seen a couple of patients who have went for a spa day and they just come back and they're just elated. They just think it's absolutely beautiful. I've even seen them organising a wedding for their patients in the Anchor unit. What the Friends of Anchor Girls well-being team do for making memories is just amazing. 
the welcome team that they've now brought in at the department brings so much comfort to the patients when they're entering. The patient packs that they receive when they're coming in as an outpatient in the clinic, when they're down in radiotherapy, and also when they're up as an inpatient, the wellbeing team will attend with the patient packs. And sometimes the patients are just so overwhelmed. They just can't believe that Friends of Anchor are just so involved. What they bring to the nursing team on top of the nursing team, it's just, it's just amazing. Would you have any particular advice for a patient coming in and meeting with you for the first time? What kinds of things is it helpful for them just to know maybe to put them at ease? Well, every patient's different and every patient's expectations are different. So sometimes I would say bring another ear for listening. Another thing I would maybe advise as well is not to Google things, but some patients want to or their family want to, just to get an idea of what is coming. But in some circumstances, Google is not your friend and um, it can throw out a whole load of things that is not viable to your colorectal cancer or your bowel cancer. And any questions that they have, it's always advisable to write them all down, share your treatment summary with your family and friends, and just make sure that they use the colorectal specialist nurse support as much as they can, because that's what we are there for. Brilliant. The late Deborah James of the You, Me and the Big C podcast helped to turn the spotlight on bowel cancer, and that work continues through her Bowel Babe charity. In your role, do you have an awareness of people being diagnosed at younger ages now? And what types of symptoms should people be aware of and get checked out? I followed Deborah James as Bubble Babe. Very sad what she went through and also very sad when she passed away. So Bubble Babe are working incredibly hard to catapult awareness into the spotlight. And it is one of the most common cancers and they're raising the awareness in particular with young people. We do see more young people now. What I would suggest for detecting early would be if you have any sudden change in your bowel habit. And what I mean by that is if you have sudden diarrhea, constipation, sudden weight loss, not to ignore it, to seek advice from your GP. GPs would rather it was reported than not. Lots of these symptoms are not bowel cancer, but lots of them are. And it's better to have it detected earlier rather than later. And the focus on information awareness continues, for example, through initiatives happening this month in March when we're speaking, as it is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Yes, so one of the things I shared this morning on social media was the interview that Alan Titchmarch had done at the beginning of March, just prior to the month of awareness, Bowel Cancer Awareness Month coming out. And he is just highlighting the importance of being checked out early if you have any sudden changes to your bowel and if you have any sudden weight loss. He's highlighted all this in a very good video that is on social media now. And personally, you've supported and fundraised for Friends of Anchor, I think, individually and also as a family. What in particular have you seen firsthand from the Friends of Anchor funding that has delivered significant impact for patients? So part of the colorectal team as a whole are involved in 
research of bowel cancer and they're doing this at the moment by looking at different bacteria in patients with right-sided cancer and this is all supported by Friends of Anchor. It's part of one of the fundraisers that the Friends of Anchor is doing into research. So they are looking at the research into colon cancer, bowel cancer, um, which looks into the bacteria of patients with right-sided cancer. And this may help look at the causes of these types of cancer in the future. And I've also heard that there's a new listening service coming into the Friends of Anchor team. I think this will be a great asset to the patients and to the staff just to know that there is somebody else there that they can talk to and just be listened to if they're on the ward or down in the outpatient clinic. The whole wellbeing team has changed and there's so much more options for the patients with regard support from Friends of Anchor as a whole and as a family. Terrific. And with your background being a research nurse, you'll be aware of the clinical trials that have been happening up in Aberdeen. What difference does it make for patients that were able to do those in Aberdeen? Well, what's noticed is that access to clinical trials begin as soon as they're diagnosed and the patients are discussed at the multidisciplinary meetings. And if there's no trial suitable in Aberdeen, the consultants are well on to the ball and contact other centres to see if patients are eligible for any other trials in any other areas in Scotland. And we're always looking at the eligibility throughout their whole cancer diagnosis because there's trials available for first diagnosis, If there's a recurrence, there's trials available if they recur. And what the patients are always looking at is for something else to make a difference either to them. But the most important thing that patients come back to us with is if it can't make a difference to me, can it make a difference to somebody else? And that's what most patients' comments are when they embark on a clinical trial. And another major development is the Anchor Centre for North East Cancer and Haematology Care. How will it make a difference for patients in your particular area, Angie? We're all excited for this, Mike. The space for the patients in the long-awaited Anchor Centre will be so relaxing and welcoming when they're feeling at their lowest and embarking on this chemotherapy treatment journey that is just something that they've never contemplated before, probably. The Friends of Anchor team, they reach out to all the patients and families and touch their hearts. And I just think that when everybody comes together, myself and all my colleagues, haematology and oncology, all come together as one in this area, it will just make such a huge difference to us all working together for our patients. And what is your favourite event in the Friends of Anchor fundraising calendar? This is the easiest question that I've ever had. Why was that? (laughs) Because it's brave and courage. Okay. Absolutely amazing. So for the 12 years that I've worked in, well, almost 12 years that I've worked in the Anchor Unit, I've only missed one. And that was my first year that I started working in the Anchor Unit. And I've been to all the rest of them and they're just absolutely amazing. It's so good for the patience it just lifts their spirits from the time that they're chosen to be part of courage or brave originally it was only courage and we were just so happy when brave was announced and the men were going to be involved and being part of it as a staff member and last year as a family member it's just just amazing you can see the joy on the patient's face and I always say to the patients when I ask them if they're interested in being put forward, I just tell them that 
They're treated as kings and queens for the whole time that the decisions made, who's coming into the catwalk. It just carries on forever, really. They're treated as a king and a queen. It's just absolutely amazing. So yes, that's my favourite. And the family connection, if you don't mind my asking? That was my father-in-law. So he unfortunately had a prostate cancer last year, but he's he's doing really well. He's good. He's good. And he was in Brave last year. and He enjoyed it. Loved it. And it was so emotional. He had no idea what he was embarking on, but he did it. Were you impressed by his moves on the catwalk? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Strutted his stuff. Angie, thank you so much for this conversation. Do you have any final comments in closing? On bowel cancer awareness, just to get checked if you feel like there's anything that's not right, please just go and speak to your GP. So awareness is the major thing here, I think. For this month's From the Archives feature... I thought that I would continue with the challenging task of trying to include a quiz in a podcast episode, despite the obvious problems of trying to do that. On this occasion, you simply have to fill in the blanks, or more accurately, the beeps. As you probably know by now, I always enjoy it when I come across puns when sifting through the 25 years of Friends of Anchor cuttings and articles. It seems to me that getting a pun into a report on a fundraising activity is a lovely way to reinforce and celebrate the efforts of those who have gone to, quite often, crazy lengths to raise funds for the cause. So, there are four missing words for you to identify from the following news items from 2010 and 2012. Number 1. Raymoyer Trout Fishery held its 7th annual Fisherthon on Saturday the 19th of June. Keen anglers fished through the night and... £1,800. Number two. For six years now, Wooly Singer, his wife and friends from the Ockenblade Dance Committee have donned their dancing shoes for a Stovie dance in aid of Friends of Anchor. The event was held in November at the Station Hotel in Stonehaven and raised a... £1,220. And numbers three and four both feature in this final item. Graham Retty... Up with fellow MG drivers to take part in a night car rally over the Cairn amount. Graham decided to raise money for Friends Vanker, and his fundraising efforts soon went into raising a staggering £9,521. And the answers are the Keen Anglers netted £1,800, the Stovey Dancers raised a stomping £1,220, and Graham Retty geared up for his night car rally and was delighted that his fundraising efforts then went into overdrive. I hope that you had some success with this month's quiz from the archives. We now move on to our Finding the Words feature, in which we explore the importance of the language that we use when dealing with a serious illness. My wife Alison is still calling the shots and has appointed herself question master for our conversations at present. And... I think that on this occasion you want to dive into the way that we can use words to keep our spirits up when we have to deal with the roller coaster, as previous guest John Greensmith put it, of emotions, uncertainties and questions that come with the territory when a diagnosis of cancer occurs. Thanks, Mike. Yes, in our last episode we talked about some of the words and medical terms that were noteworthy in connection with your admission to a ward for your first cycle of chemotherapy treatment. 
But today I thought it might be interesting to focus on various expressions that were significant for you throughout your treatment and even beyond that. Where's the best place to start with this? I suppose that my starting point would be that I've always felt that one of the great things about language is that if we are able to find words that capture in a memorable fashion something that is important for us, we can then use those words to maintain our focus, encourage ourselves and help us to keep going in a direction that we have identified as being right for us. Can you give us some examples of the kind of thing that you mean? Well, sometimes it feels as if the thoughts in my head are a bit like lots of metal balls bouncing around inside a supercharged pinball machine, and they will all fall to the bottom unless I can use various levers and flippers to flick them back up in an upward direction, which will cause them to score points. That is a truly alarming insight into how your mind works. Though after 40 years of being married to you, I can't say that it takes me completely by surprise. So what's your point? My point is that one of the things that can flick my ideas and thoughts in a positive direction when I'm feeling under pressure is recalling an expression or statement that sends me towards a reference point that is reassuring and relevant in that context. So, for example, I had a colleague who, when talking about what kind of behaviour might be desirable in a particular circumstance, would often suggest that the answer lay in a family saying that his mum would often use, be a person. On the one hand, such expressions can seem simplistic and even trite, but if they work for an individual, and if thinking about the statement, be a person, actually helps someone to find a good way to respond to a situation, then that kind of approach is definitely worth considering, I think. Okay, tell us then about some of the expressions that you found helpful in connection with your cancer diagnosis and treatment. The first example was a message written in a card which simply said, you've got this. Not that I overthink things, of course, but my immediate reaction was, not only is that quite the cliché, but I'm also not at all sure that it's true. In fact, I was far from convinced that I was in control of the situation. It was definitely not guaranteed that everything would go smoothly and without complications over the next few months, and neither was it by any means a certainty that the treatment was going to be successful. On the other hand, the fact that someone believed in me sufficiently to make that statement really gave me a lift, as did the fact that you've got this, didn't need to mean that everything was okay. It was still very encouraging, even if it just meant that I was in charge of my own response to the situation. So that message in the card helped you to get into a good frame of mind. Were there any other words that kept you going during your treatment? Two short foreign words that I drew upon quite a lot were kia kaha, which mean stay strong in Maori. Oddly, it was a phrase that I was used to seeing every day as the school in which I was teaching had a link with a New Zealand school which had sent across a gift of a painting in recognition of a special relationship between the two schools. That painting, which I would pass several times on a daily basis, prominently featured the school's motto, Kia Kaha. And it was a phrase that carried with it all kinds of resonances of dealing with difficult times, not least because it had been widely used to bring comfort and encouragement in the aftermath of the 2011 Christchurch earthquake. On occasions when I was feeling a bit wobbly, using kia kaha to have a word with myself was definitely helpful and importantly also reminded me of a wider perspective. And did that kind of positive impact from words stop once you reached the end of your treatment or was there more? There was more. But it was quite unexpected and actually took me completely unawares. Despite being just 22 when he died from cancer in August 2019, Jack Morgan's legacy is significant, not only because of his achievements in creating an app to bring together people affected by cancer, but also because of the inspirational effect that he had on so many people. He concluded his final message on his widely followed Instagram blog by writing, I haven't come this far 
to only come this far. When I heard Jack's dad quote those words in a news item about ongoing initiatives in memory of Jack, it pulled me up sharp as it brought out into the open something that I had been half-thinking for a while without realising it, that to survive cancer and to come out the other side is something, but if you have come that far, there has been a real opportunity to experience life more richly and to make a contribution that would not have been possible otherwise. Wow, you went quite deep quite quickly at the end there. But I guess that's because those words really struck a chord with you. Yes, that is undoubtedly the case, and it's partly because of experiences of that nature that it seemed that it might be worthwhile to share the kinds of thoughts that we've been discussing today. Indeed, that's certainly been our hope and intention. However, we are aware that people often react in different ways from each other, and we really do want our discussions to be relevant, interesting and helpful to as many people as possible. So if your mind doesn't work like a pinball machine, please get in touch with us via FOA podcast at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. Give us your feedback and let us know if there's anything you would like us to cover in a future Finding the Word slot. But until next time, it's goodbye from me. As this month's episode comes out on the 1st of April, I thought that it would be interesting to see what cancer-themed April Fool items there have been and whether any of them have actually worked. It's an interesting one, as we know that maintaining a sense of humour can be important for many people when dealing with a serious illness. But any kind of April Fool on a cancer-related subject just seems like bad taste and doomed to failure. I have, however, come up with three examples for you to consider. The first one comes in the form of a headline, This April, Fool the Cancer, followed by an article about the importance of having a healthy lifestyle and a good eating habit. The main problem, of course, is that it just isn't funny. Attempt number two is better, I think. A year ago, football club York City posted on their website an image of Y-fronts in the club's colours superimposed on their football pitch. The headline, April Fools, was followed by But one thing that isn't a joke is testicular cancer and an encouragement to undertake a quick self-examination. And finally, Macmillan Cancer Support did actually attempt a genuine cancer-related April Fool in 2010 when they worked with Google to launch a spoof campaign featuring a fictional island called Macmillanland, which was shaped like a coffee cup and appeared on Google Maps. The aim, of course, was to promote the Macmillan Coffee Morning, which raises funds to provide Macmillan cancer nurses. In fact, it seems as if Macmillan's island venture pretty much sank without trace, but I think that it was definitely a worthy effort. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode of the Friends of Anchor podcast. Please get in touch with your thoughts, feedback, questions and suggestions via email at foapodcast at freerangepodcasting.co.uk and please do join us again next time. In the meantime, take good care of yourself, kia kaha and goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you and your podcast where you want to go. 